VOA, the science edition of Press Conference USA. Here is your host, Rick Pantaleo. Welcome to the science edition of Press Conference USA on The Voice of America. I'm Rick Pantaleo. Joining me on the program is assistant producer for the current affairs desk, Morgan Schneider. Welcome, Morgan. Thanks, Rick. It's great to be here. It's no secret that climate change has become a more pressing issue in the past few years. Scientists are saying that climate change has been driving episodes of extreme weather around the world. For example, this summer has seen devastating wildfires amid drought conditions in western U.S. states, rare extreme heat in the American Pacific Northwest, and devastating flooding in Central Europe. As he assumed the presidency earlier this year, one of the first things Joe Biden did as the U.S. chief executive was to sign an order to rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement, overturning former President Donald Trump's decision to withdraw from the accords. To further demonstrate his commitment to fighting climate change, President Joe Biden also appointed former Secretary of State John Kerry as the first ever special presidential envoy for climate. Young people the world over are also continuing to make their voices heard and are banding together to help fight the problem. A new anthology published by One World, an imprint of Random House, brings together essays and poetry by women from different races and occupations on the climate crisis. The book is called All We Can Save, Truth, Courage, and Solutions for the Climate Crisis. The paperback edition was released on July 20th. The book was co-edited by Dr. Catherine K. Wilkinson, a co-founder of the All We Can Save Project. Its mission, according to their website, is to nurture a welcoming and connected climate community rooted in the work and wisdom of women to grow a life-giving future. Wilkinson was previously the editor-in-chief of Project Drawdown, a nonprofit organization whose website says hopes to help the world reach a time when levels of atmospheric greenhouse gases stop climbing and start to steadily drop. Catherine Wilkinson is our guest for today's program. Dr. Wilkinson, tell us a little bit about your work with the All We Can Save Project. I would love to tell you about the All We Can Save Project, Rick. It is a new nonprofit that is an outgrowth of the anthology that was published last September, All We Can Save, Truth, Courage, and Solutions for the Climate Crisis, that is a mighty chorus of writings by women who are leading on the climate crisis in all different ways, wearing all different hats. And of course, the mission of centering the work and wisdom of women in climate and really building a welcoming, connected, leaderful climate community goes way beyond a book. So that is the mission that we're carrying forward with the All We Can Save project. So could you tell us a little more about how the book connects to the project as a whole and how you became involved with editing with Ayanna Johnson? The concept for the book really crystallized back in May of 2019. I'd sort of had had this idea of an anthology knocking around, but Ayanna and I found ourselves at a climate summit in Aspen, Colorado, and feeling pretty frustrated by whose voices were present, whose voices were not present, 
who was on the main stage, who was kind of a sideshow. And it was just one of those kind of catalytic moments where we ended up going on what we now look back on as a, a rage hike along uh, the Roaring Fork River through the Aspen Groves and just, you know, frustrated really that the climate movement simply will not succeed if we do not have a full diversity of our superpowers leading the way. And that, of course, means women and girls. It means people of all races, economic classes, professional backgrounds. And so we were grappling with kind of how could we how could we make a contribution to shifting that in in some way? And we're both word nerds. Um, and so we felt like this book could be could be a really powerful way to do that and to kind of bring together in the medium of a book a snapshot of the incredible community of leaders that are rising to to meet this moment. And on that same hike, we also knew a book isn't going to be enough. Um, we see way too many people not getting sufficient resources for their work, not getting the platforms that they deserve. And so we were also asking, you know, what more could we do? And some of those ideas we sort of carried with us um, in in the back of our minds and hearts as we worked on the anthology. And we've now brought those front and center for the All We Can Save project. So continuing to do creative communication work to really uplift the perspectives of women on climate, truth, courage, and solutions to build a whole body of education, learning, mentoring programs to build community through All We Can Save reading circles, um, and more. So lots, lots in motion and lots more yet to come. Catherine, speaking of the book, All We Can Save, Truth, Courage, and Solutions for the Climate Crisis, which you edited with marine biologist Diana Elizabeth Johnson. It was released almost a year ago. What kind of response and feedback have you been receiving about the book? Well, last year was a really hard year for new books. Uh, there were old books that had a great heyday in 2020, but new books by and large had a hard time. But we were incredibly delighted, somewhat surprised, and and really moved by how warmly and sort of hungrily received All We Can Save was. So over the last 10 months, more than 50,000 copies have made their way into the hands of of readers and hopefully their their hearts and minds as well. And the paperback has just come out um, and found itself slotted in at number six on the Washington Post bestseller list uh, just as of yesterday. So wonderful, wonderful. We're, we're delighted and we're especially delighted that the book is making its way into lots of classrooms already in use by dozens of professors from HBCUs to state colleges to Ivy Leagues and beyond. And we've been really delighted also to see hundreds of 
reading circles formed, I created materials for All We Can Save reading circles that we also launched last fall. So lots of folks coming together to read this book in community and engage in deeper dialogue, relationship building, and ultimately seeding action, not as individuals, but as the mightiest we we can muster. So Swedish climate climate activist Greta Thunberg has been getting a lot of attention for her work in aggressively pushing for changes to stem climate change. Could you please tell us about the role of young people are playing in the environmental movement and how important their contributions will be in bringing about necessary action? So it has been amazing to see the youth climate movement just surge in in recent years and Part of what I think is so powerful is just the sheer number of young people who are who are stepping up and stepping in in this moment and really owning their voices as, you know, kind of the moral arbiters of this moment, right? Young people, just by virtue of their age, have the most at stake, right? Many of them if if all goes well, we'll see the end of this century. And the possible climate trajectories that we could be on are wildly divergent. And the worst of them are very scary, right? Even under the very best of circumstances, we will see our kids living on a different planet. And young people are very clear about that. And they are, I think, rightfully enraged by the leadership crisis that sits at the heart of the climate crisis, right? That people in power have known for four decades where we were headed and have totally failed to do the work that needs doing. And so I think that clarion moral voice that they're bringing into the public square um, and they're not backing down is really critical. It's so needed. Um, And I think in so many ways, they are creating the opening that it feels like we now have. And we've seen that very palpably in the US, we saw so much incredible activism and advocacy by the youth climate movement in the US during the presidential primaries and then the presidential election last year, and really pushing towards a climate presidency. That is not where Joe Biden started as a candidate. And yet, that's what we're seeing in the White House now. And that's thanks to really great organizing. It's also thanks to a race to the top among other candidates in the race, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Jay Inslee, of course. So we're we're in a moment that we have not seen an opening like this politically in the United States on climate in over a decade. And we owe a debt of gratitude, I think, to young people for helping make that possible. Catherine, to follow up on Morgan's question, along with Greta Thunberg, do you know of other young activists and youth organizations who deserve some attention about making a difference in fighting climate change? Absolutely. So we actually have uh, three 
well, two sort of genuine youth activists. One, we'll call her a younger activist, um, who have essays in All We Can Save. Shea Bastida is um, of just a fantastic visionary youth leader who is has just finished her first year in, in college. Her essay opens the book. It's called Calling In. And she really welcomes people in in a way that I think the climate movement hasn't always been very good at. Um, there's an amazing piece by Alexandria Villasenor, another youth activist. It's a letter to grownups asking them to step in and meet the young people in the work that needs doing. And then Varshni Prakash, who is the executive director and one of the founders of the Sunrise Movement, which of course has been doing so much incredible work. Um, she also writes about the emergence of that organization and the work that they're doing to create the political will for the economic transformation that's needed in, in this country. So no shortage. Um, Greta is a very visible figure um, in all of this, I think, in part because of that incredible moral clarity that that she's able to communicate. Um, but there are millions of young people who are involved in one way or another, um, and many of them doing really critical work in their communities, right? The kind of work that doesn't get the spotlight, um, but is so, so important for building momentum from the grassroots up. So Catherine, this next question is sort of a two-parter. Um, the first part is, how do you think the conversation around climate change has sort of shifted in the past five to 10 years? And then what, what do you think the future of the climate change movement will look like in maybe the next 10 to 20? So I think a, a few things have have shifted. So one is that we've seen a real shift in the discourse from focusing on people's individual action to the absolute necessity of collective action and systemic change. We have seen a centering of justice in the climate conversation, thanks to the environmental justice and climate justice communities and, and movements. That's been a really critical shift. And I think that we're also seeing more accountability placed on the players who have gotten us into this mess, the fossil fuel industry, industrial agriculture, the politicians that have been far too much uh, in, in their pockets. Um, and right, the climate crisis is not just something that is happening to us. It is something that is being caused and solutions are being blocked by powerful interests who have profit at, at stake. So I think all of that has been really important evolution. I think looking forward, we will continue to see climate less as an isolated topic and more as the fundamental context for everything else. So I think that's going to bring a lot more people in, right? Um, Heather McTeer Tony at our paperback launch last week said, you know, climate is the table on which all other issues are set. And so I think we're going to continue to see this broadening, this deepening of, of understanding the crisis at the intersections and it's its root causes, but also the ways in which we have to be solving for our planetary crisis by solving all of our other crises at the same time. 
mass uh, mass and growing inequality, for example, crises of loneliness and meaninglessness, public health issues caused by the fossil fuel economy, um, cities that are livable for people. Um, these are things that we can't solve for one at a time. Um, and I love the term that Beth Sawin coined of multi-solving, um, of moving through this constellation of crises with solutions that get to the heart of, of so many of them. Let's take a break now. This is the Science Edition of Press Conference USA. I'd like to remind you that Press Conference USA is available for free download from our website, voanews.com slash PCUSA, and from many streaming services such as Apple Podcasts. We also hope you'll get in touch with us through either Facebook at VOA Current Affairs or on Facebook and Twitter at Carol Castiel VOA. Or just send us an email to PCUSA at voanews.com. And be sure to listen to our other VOA Current Affairs programs, Encounter and Issues in the News. This week on Encounter, it's a view from western Pennsylvania as Carol Castiel returns to her native Newcastle, PA, to talk with Republican and Democratic leaders in Lawrence County, whom she interviewed prior to the 2020 elections. They'll discuss President Joe Biden's job performance. And on Issues in the News, Kim Lewis and her panel of journalists will discuss the top news stories of the week, including President Biden reaching his goal of getting at least one COVID-19 vaccination shot into 70% of American adults. Let's continue with the science edition of Press Conference USA. Today, we're having a conversation with Dr. Catherine Wilkinson, teacher, writer, climate activist, and co-editor of the book, All We Can Save, Truth, Courage, and Solutions for the Climate Crisis, available now in paperback. Catherine, let's talk a little more about the climate crisis. Going through your All We Can Save Project website, I found this that you wrote, quote, to date, conventional climate leadership has centered the voices and ideas of white men, an imbalance that falls short in both fairness and efficacy, a preference for facts without feelings, solutions without justice and competition rather than collaboration continues to hold us back from building the biggest, strongest team possible, end quote. Catherine, can you please give us an understanding of what you mean by this? So... I think the first thing to say is we want everyone on the team, right? Um, it's really important that we have white men involved and leading on climate. But I think it's helpful to think about sort of the lenses that we are all socialized with because of our identities, our experiences. We all come with biases inclinations, um, and blind spots. And part of the way that I think about all we can save is as a, as a kaleidoscope, right? That it is impossible to get clarity on the issue or clarity on the solutions through only one set of lenses. We have to keep turning, keep turning, keep turning. Um, and so that's what we're really trying to get at in in that text that you that you just read um, that we need 
the very best kaleidoscope we can muster. And we need a full set of superpowers. Um, Patriarchy has been very good at placing an importance on power and hierarchy and control. And what we need in this moment is deep collaboration. We need to be functioning like an ecosystem with each of us bringing the very best of ourselves to to the transformation at hand. Um, Women and girls are just a smidge above 50% of the world. <laughs> so, so we need to, to be present and, and leading. And there's a growing body of social science that tells us that's not just an idea that sounds nice. It is a really vital strategy because in countries where women have higher economic and political status, emissions are lower. When parliaments have a greater representation of women, they are more likely to pass strong environmental laws and ratify environmental treaties. We see better outcomes for the planet when we have greater uh, sort of gender fairness um, when it when it comes to leadership. So that's why we say, you know, it's it's not just a matter of of fairness or unfairness it's a fundamental matter of efficacy and and whether we want to win Catherine, uh the paperback edition of all we can save is out now it's a really gorgeous book a nice weight to it a very nice matte cover do you have a personal favorite work in the anthology or one that you think is especially good Oh gosh, um, I love them all so much. We we set out to create an anthology of twenty essays, and we ended up with forty one essays, seventeen poems, and original illustrations. Um, and at that point, our editor was like, "You're done. <laughs> you cannot fit anything else into into this book." So we obviously adore every single piece that is in the collection. I have personally been returning most frequently to the poetry. Um, and some of those pieces have been kind of heart poems for me for, for a long time. Um, Mary Oliver's Mornings at Blackwater, uh, Marge Piercy's To Be of Use. But maybe most of all, the thing I just love in the book is Madeline, Madeline Jubilee Saito's comics, these sort of poem comics that we encountered. I I saw a tweet from the Sunrise Movement about her work, and it just so embodies the spirit that we were trying to cultivate in this collection. Um, And I just love them so much. So I I, I hope folks will pick up the book, um, even if they don't want to dive into too much reading uh, as they take a a summer breather. Um, The art is just so wonderful. Catherine, before the All We Can Save project and book, you were involved with an organization called Project Drawdown. Can you tell us about it and what you did there? Yeah, I'd I'd be delighted to. So... Project Drawdown's reason for being is is really to create a resource that catalogs and crystallizes the climate solutions that we already have. 
the technologies and practices that are in hand, they're working. We just need to use them at a scale and speed and comprehensiveness that we haven't seen. And I joined the team back in early 2016 to do the bulk of the writing on the book Drawdown, which came out in 2017. And then I did sort of led the creation of the subsequent publication that the organization put out last year called the Drawdown Review. And that is available for free on on the website drawdown.org in English, French, and Spanish. And if you're wondering, like, what can we actually do? What solutions do we actually have? What tools are in the toolbox? That is a super accessible. And I will say thanks to the work of an amazing uh, creative team, Ampersand, a really beautiful publication that makes that incredibly digestible. And it's helpful, I think, for people because I think lots of folks think solutions are the issue, that we don't have the solutions that we need. And except in a few, quote unquote, hard to decarbonize sectors like air travel or heavy industry, actually solutions, the existence of solutions is really not the challenge. And I think the work of Project Drawdown is incredibly powerful in moving that narrative forward. Um, The narrative that solutions do exist. And in the process of moving them forward, we can realize so many additional positive ripple effects in society and in our economies. Let's get back to basics, if we could. Climate change and global warming, most people use these terms interchangeably. What is the difference between climate change and global warming? Which poses the most serious threat? So I think the the best way to think about it is that global warming is what's happening, right? The Earth's temperature is ticking up year after year. And as the planet heats up, that creates a whole bunch of climatic changes and impacts, right? More intense droughts, heat waves, floods, sea level rise. Um, These are all of the ways in which global warming comes to life as climate change. That's how I think about it. Really, whatever term works for you is totally fine. Um, There's been a lot of debate about that. But but my feeling is climate change is the more comprehensive way to think about it. But global warming is kind of the fundamental shift that is creating all of these domino effects. And finally, Catherine, to reach goals that could offset the effects of climate change would require quite a bit of sacrifice. And a lot of people, especially in developed countries, aren't ready to make the necessary changes in their lifestyles to do so. How would you go about convincing people to make these changes? Well, I think we need to make a lot of those changes as easy and painless as possible, right? I think we live in a world right now where our systems and our contexts aren't actually structured for good climate outcomes. Um, A lot of that can be changed through infrastructure, through smart investments by the government. Lots of things can shift that shouldn't ultimately be terribly painful for us. Um, I also think that we have to sort of understand that stasis isn't an option, no matter how we look at it. So if we 
generally like the planet that we've been living on and we should for the last 10,000 years we've been living in what's called a kind of a Goldilocks period not too hot not too cold pretty much just right um we need to do all that we can to try to stay within that we have already created conditions in our atmosphere that the human species has never lived within. And I don't know about you, but that is not the world that I want to leave to our kids, to future generations, to the non-human beings that we share this planet with. I think it's really a moment to see ourselves as part of this incredible web that is planet Earth. Um, And the the role that we can play is to be in reciprocity, to be helpers and collaborators with the planet's living systems. And ultimately, I think that probably feels even better than, let's say, the very best burger <laughs> um, or, uh, or an international plane trip. Um, I think it's a moment to sort of reclaim who we are actually meant to be as human beings. Catherine Wilkinson, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and for sharing your wonderful insights. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for covering climate. That was Dr. Catherine Wilkinson, co-editor of the anthology All We Can Save, Truth, Courage, and Solutions for the Climate Crisis. It's available now in paperback. Dr. Wilkinson is also the co-host of the A Matter of Degrees podcasts. You can find her on Twitter at Dr. K. Wilkinson. And I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this science edition of Press Conference USA. I'd like to thank Morgan Schneider, a producer in our current affairs unit, for producing and co-hosting this program with me. Thank you for listening today. This is Rick Pantaleo reminding you to be sure to join Carol Castiel next week for another Press Conference USA on The Voice of America.